It's Tuesday, March 17th. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. Testing for coronavirus will soon start to ramp up as the government gets up to speed and also as private labs develop their own tests, such as the Mayo Clinic, who has made their own test that can detect the virus that causes COVID-19. Experts say that once this starts, we will begin to see confirmed cases rise. Dr. Bill Maurice, president of Mayo Clinic Laboratories, joins us for why testing is so important. Next, amid the coronavirus pandemic, Democrats had their first one-on-one debate between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. While Joe Biden remains the frontrunner for the nomination, Sanders hammered him on a bunch of policy issues. Joe Biden held his ground and also committed to choosing a woman as his running mate. Jake Schlesinger, reporter at The Wall Street Journal, joins us for the big takeaways and also how Biden's plans show the party center has shifted left. Finally, the White House has issued new guidelines for the next 15 days. No gathering in groups of 10 or more, and people should avoid bars, restaurants, and food courts. But state and city governments are going a step further and ordering them to close, except for delivery and takeout. Marisa Fernandez, reporter at Axios, joins us for more. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. We needed to get the results to our physicians and physicians around the country so that they could make those rapid patient management decisions. Because information is power. If you have the results of the test, you can decide uh, whether the patient has the disease or not, and then you can make steps and make decisions from there. Joining us now is Dr. Bill Maurice, president of Mayo Clinic Laboratories. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Maurice. It's my pleasure, Oscar. We're going to be talking about coronavirus testing, COVID-19, and why it's so important. First off, I want to start off, the Mayo Clinic has developed a test that can detect SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19. So tell us about the test that you guys developed first, and then we'll have a broader discussion about testing in general. So Mayo Clinic Laboratories, we actually perform testing not only for our Mayo Clinic patients, but for patients across the United States and across the globe. So we're continually looking out for new tests that are going to be needed to support patient care. And in particular, we look out for new pathogens that might need to be diagnosed. So we are paying very close attention to how the COVID-19 disease was playing out in China. And about four weeks ago, our own internal Mayo Clinic doctors started to inquire about the availability of COVID-19 testing. And as we saw the disease really overwhelm the healthcare system in China, we determined that really we would want to develop our own diagnostic assay for the disease, even though at that time, uh, testing was mandated to go through the CDC. So we've been working on the test for about a month. We do have a partner lab in China Wuxi Diagnostics, and so we really got firsthand uh, accounting of how difficult it was to keep up with the demand for testing. So we pretty much put a team on this around the clock to develop our own molecular test to detect the virus. And so that was something that gave us a bit of a head start. So we were able to, late last week, actually introduce a clinical test to detect the virus in clinical specimens. And how does the testing work, and what is the turnaround time for results? So the testing works by a method called PCR. So basically, it's a molecular amplification of the SARS-CoV-2 virus out of the specimen. Once we get the specimen in the lab, it takes us anywhere from four to five hours to actually generate a result. So if we can get the specimen to us quickly, we can usually turn around a test within a day or so. I've read that the Mayo Clinic there works in close contact with the Minnesota Department of Health. I guess results are sent there to be verified after? 
Not verified per se, just the assay that we have is actually approved for use by the FDA. So a result is a result, a positive is a positive, a negative, a negative. The Minnesota Department of Health really needs to know about when we have a positive case because really they're trying to track how the disease is spreading in the state. And that's why the CDC and all the departments of health are actually working collaboration so we can understand how it spreads across the country which is, of course, really important as we try and contain the spread of COVID-19. In fact, that rationale explains why typically when a new infection or pathogen becomes present in the United States, the initial disease testing is almost always handled by the CDC just because it gives them a good handle about how the disease is spreading and also to make sure that the diagnosis is accurate. However, in this case, again, this COVID-19 has really overwhelmed what's usually a very robust system for responding to these things. So we still perform our testing, but report it to the Minnesota Department of Health. Some numbers that we've been seeing, the U.S. has completed about 20,000 coronavirus tests as of last Friday. So the testing response has been very slow up until now. It'll start ramping up with tests like yours and others as well. Once we start getting true numbers, true tests, we're going to see the numbers rise of confirmed cases. But help explain to us why this is of the utmost importance. There's really two reasons why getting the testing done is really important. Number one is to really understand and protect those who are at particular risk for this particular COVID-19 infection. If you look at the experience in China and in northern Italy, where we're now getting results published in the medical literature, it really is becoming apparent that for patients that are young and healthy, it poses a pretty minimal health risk, similar to influenza or other respiratory viruses. But for the elderly or those with an underlying medical condition, they can get into really serious trouble requiring intensive hospitalization. And so the first aspect of the testing is really to identify who has it to make sure that we can try and protect those who might be particularly at risk for having a bad outcome from COVID-19 infection. And the other is to understand how the disease is spreading across the United States so we can really try and institute containment measures, which are becoming shown to be really important in protecting those who are particularly likely to develop bad disease. So that, of course, is balanced against the fact that this is an extremely unusual situation where you have essentially on the turn of a dime 200 million Americans wanting a test that didn't exist two to three months ago. And so the national supplies are not endless, and we really need to be thoughtful about who gets the testing. That's why it's really important that people who want the testing first get screened by their primary care provider to make sure that they actually need the testing before it gets performed. And also to make sure they get tested for other viral illnesses. It's still most cases of viral respiratory tract infection that you'll see in the community will be influenza A or other more common viruses, right? So that's why. So that's really important to do the testing in the right people to protect them and to protect the public. I've had some friends that said, I don't feel any symptoms. Maybe I'm asymptomatic. I want to get tested anyways. So people are are clamoring for this, but got to take the advice, obviously. The people that are experiencing symptoms, all that need to go first. That's where the necessity is. There's a lot of unknown with this. SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19 infection, which of course engenders a lot of fear. I get it completely. And yet we have to be thoughtful to make sure that we can have the test available, say if someone comes to the hospital and we have to make a rapid decision as to whether they need isolation or 
As it turns out, if they do have this disease and they're short of breath, they might need to get into an intensive care unit early. As much as people want to know if they have the infection, which is totally understandable, we have to be sure as healthcare providers that we have the ability to test the patients where we're going to be making really critical decisions that will affect people's lives. Dr. Bill Maurice, president of Mayo Clinic Laboratories, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I commit that I will, in fact, appoint a, I'll pick a woman to be vice president. There are a number of women who are qualified to be president tomorrow. I would pick a woman to be my vice president. Joining us now is Jake Schlesinger, reporter for The Wall Street Journal. Thanks for joining us, Jake. My pleasure. We're going to talk a little bit about the debate between former vice president and Senator Bernie Sanders, and also how Joe Biden is the front runner right now. We also want to talk about how some of his policies have shifted a little bit more to the left. Obviously, Donald Trump, Republicans have really painted Bernie Sanders as this Democratic socialist. He's the thought leader of the Democratic Party. But as the years have gone by, a lot of the platforms from these candidates have moved a little bit more to the left. Let's start there, Jake, and then we'll talk about some other big takeaways from the debate. Bernie Sanders certainly gets painted and describes himself as a Democratic socialist. And if you look at his platform, it is much more unapologetically liberal than anything you've seen from former Vice President Biden in terms of just the amount of money he would spend, the amount of taxes he would raise, the level of government intervention in the economy. However, if you look at Biden's platform in the context of other recent Democratic Party proposals, if you compare them with what Hillary Clinton put forth when she was the nominee in 2016, what the Obama-Biden ticket itself put forth in 2008 and 2012, there is a very clear shift, even among the so-called moderates in the party, to embrace a bigger role for government in the economy now. Of Mr. Sanders' plans, a 10-year price tag, it carries about $50 trillion. That's a lot of money. And it's right. more than eight times than Mr. Biden's agenda. So while not all the way to the left so much as a Bernie Sanders thing, but still, Biden has moved to the left on a lot of things. Taxes, health care, climate change, labor rights, education was a big thing that we learned about from Biden yeah. at the debate. On education, even before this past weekend, Biden was proposing spending in ways that we had not seen from Democrats before, whether it was a doubling of the Pell Grants that are given to low-income students to go to college, another credit for people who are, don't qualify for Pell Grants to help them go to college, a significant increase. And then what was interesting was right before the debate, Biden issued a press release saying that he would actually go partway to Senator Sanders' program of free four-year college. Sanders wants to have free four-year college public schools for everybody. Vice President Biden didn't go that far, but he did suggest that four-year colleges should be made tuition-free for anyone making up to $125,000. So a pretty big step towards Sanders' direction, if not all the way there. What are some big differences on health care? So the big one, and this one really has dominated the debate throughout the whole campaign, particularly so when the field was bigger and Sanders was joined in the progressive lane by Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, they were advocating essentially a full national health insurance program, getting rid of private health insurance and having the government essentially run the health insurance industry, much more significant pressure on pharmaceutical companies to lower prices and to set some kinds of controls. 
So Vice President Biden has not gone that far. I mean, he talks a lot about building on the Affordable Care Act, the Obamacare program that became law when he was vice president. But even in that area, he is pushing for a more active and much bigger presence for the federal government than Obama ever did. Obama had pushed for a so-called public option as a way of allowing people to buy into Medicare. But he had pretty strict limits on what he defined as a public option, whereas Biden would make it available to most everybody, including people who have private insurance. In terms of what current health law is and where Democrats have been before, it's a pretty big step. Joe Biden has called for a lot of incremental change, whereas Bernie Sanders is very firmly in the revolution category. But we saw a lot of that with Joe Biden's response to the coronavirus pandemic that's going on. You know, he said, hey, we've got to do this in incremental things. We've got to handle what's happening now. Then we can go back and change things like the healthcare system and all that. That's kind of always been Joe Biden's lane. So Biden, I mean, if you look through the course of his career, He's been a very successful Democratic politician and has risen in a lot of ways to the top of the Democratic Party. He was a leading senator. His main focus was as chair of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, chair of the Senate Judiciary Committee. And so his passions have been more over the years in foreign policy and in legal issues. And economic policy, he's kind of surfed with the party in terms of going where the center of the party is at any given time. So at times when the party was big on fiscal discipline, looking to restrain government, he voted for those kinds of proposals. At times when the party was moving increasingly toward free trade, he voted for a lot of the trade agreements. Those are areas where Sanders has really called him out on it. But those are not necessarily Biden's positions today. And Biden has, in a way, gone to the left as the center of the party has moved to the left. Joe Biden is the front runner right now, according to the delegate count. He also said an interesting point that he would have a female candidate as his running mate. Bernie Sanders said he was inclined to go in that direction. Just big takeaway from the whole debate. How do you think they both did who came out on top? Because Bernie Sanders didn't get out of the race to have this debate here, the policy debate between the two of them. Without saying who won or lost, I mean, I think the debate really did lay out the stark differences between them. And they both had plenty of chances to make their case as to why their particular vision of the Democratic Party was the better one. I would say, I guess, that you say Biden is ahead not only in the delegate count, but increasingly in all the national polls. And I don't know that Sanders really had a breakout moment that would allow him to change what's the current dynamic. And for Sanders, I think part of the problem is also with the coronavirus increasingly dominating the nation's attention, the chances for him to get attention enough to change the flow of the current currents in the party are not great. And you can't hold rallies anymore. Rallies have been a staple of the Sanders campaign. It looks like they're in a lot of states now. They're trying to delay voting, stop in-person voting. All of those things tend to cement the status quo and are not going to help Bernie Sanders. Jake Schlesinger, reporter for The Wall Street Journal. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. My administration is recommending that all Americans, including the young and healthy, work to engage in schooling from home when possible, avoid gathering in groups of more than 10 people, avoid discretionary travel, and avoid eating and drinking at bars, restaurants, and public food courts. Joining us now is Marisa Fernandez, reporter for Axios. Thanks for joining us, Marisa. Thanks so much. So first, there was social distancing in the form of not gathering in large groups. Now it's taking on a little more extreme form. The president has just announced new guidelines. They call it the President's Coronavirus Guidelines for America. 
15 days to slow the spread. A lot of it is big general things that we've been talking about a lot, but some of the guidelines have imposed some tighter restrictions. So people should avoid gathering in groups of more than 10. The president says people should stay away from bars and restaurants, food courts, and not travel if possible. We've seen this a lot now. State officials are shutting down gyms, bars, restaurants. A bunch of states have done this now. Marisa, tell us about that. President Trump's announcement today was more of a guideline, and that's something that we have to consider. This isn't necessarily a mandate. This isn't something that states are forced to abide by uh, when it comes to 10 people gathering or less or, you know, restaurants, you know, consider closing. So this is something that, you know, we all are thinking of in terms of public health, self-quarantine, personal separation, uh, kind of a band together and do it for the greater common good. Uh, and But we do have, as you mentioned, some states and some cities taking it a little farther and really forcing bars and restaurants, even movie theaters, gyms, casinos to close to kind of force that um, separation and self-isolation. Some restaurants are being told that they can only do deliveries or takeout only, which has been able to be very difficult for some businesses. Now, the question I have is, uh, obviously, these are all independent businesses, and I know they have city and state licenses, things like that, but is that enough for local officials to shut them down, to close them down in that way? Um, businesses can fight back. We're seeing some lawsuits crop up here and there. But again, it's one of those things where, you know, we're seeing it's make sure you're doing that for the greater of the common good. A really good example, too, is also weddings. Um, weddings usually are large gatherings and not necessarily venues or vendors are canceling per se on people, but you usually see it the other way around where couples are canceling their own events or they're stopping themselves, you know, from going out to eat, going out to restaurants in order to help stop the spread. I actually have a co-worker who literally just canceled his the big wedding that they were doing. They're doing a small mm -hmm. ceremony, just uh, minimal friends and family, and then they're postponing the big reception to a later date once things slow down. Back to uh, the state responses to this and, and shutting down bars and restaurants. One of the governors who's uh, been at the forefront of this is Governor Mike DeWine from Ohio, they don't have that many cases of COVID-19 there just yet in the state, but he's been, uh, I think he was the first one that shut down all the schools. He said he thinks that maybe schools might shut down for the rest of the academic year. Um, so he's taking some pretty drastic steps as well. I think as of Monday, you know, Ohio only has about 50 cases, but what we're seeing with him specifically is very interesting where, you know, a lot of public health officials, um, he's taking the advice that they have, which is we seem to be very behind on this. And that's why a lot of these ideas and these measures seem a little drastic. So he's trying to get on the forefront of closing things before it gets super bad instead of after the fact. You know, Pennsylvania is also a good example of just shutting things down, you know, encouraging people to stay home before it gets super bad. Marisa Fernandez, reporter for Axios. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks so much. That's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment. 
give us a rating and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive is produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.